0: There's going to be some companies going bankrupt and there's going to be a lot more consolidation going on uh, there. There's some pluses and minuses there. You know, obviously, from a funding perspective, we can start focusing a lot more on, uh, you know, some of these uh, more, more uh, companies that are a little bit further along.
1: From the Defense and Aerospace Report. This is the Downlink, a podcast about the intersection of space, the space business, and defense. Not just what's over the horizon, but what's happening above it. I'm your host, Laura Winter. Hello again, Downlink listeners. Last week, we heard about Accenture's investment strategy, that it includes those technologies that are hot and how it's bucking the trend at a time when non-government capital investment into space companies is down by almost a third compared to last year. So in this episode... We're hearing from the U.S. Space Force because, well, this podcast covers defense, but also because investors have recently shown a preference for equity positions with those early-stage space companies that have either bagged military contracts or are pursuing them. Why? Well, because in the space economy, the Department of Defense is like the Game of Thrones' Lannister clan. The military always pays its debts. In this case, it's contracts. So for space entrepreneurs and investors... That at least means revenue and cash and a better chance to fund technology development, commercial market development, and make a profit somewhere down the line. From the US Space Force perspective, it sees the commercial space sector as more agile, freer to develop technology at a pace and at a price point that just isn't possible within government. And to further economize, the Space Force's technology development and acquisition mantra is quote, exploit what we have, buy what we can. Build what we must. So essentially, the policy is to buy products off the shelf or that are provided as a service. That shifts a lot of the onus for underwriting the development of new ideas on the venture capital community and private equity, which works well when the venture capital community is willing and interest rates are low because, well, VCs borrow to invest. But that's just not the scenario right now. And adversaries aren't just going to ignore an opportunity to pull ahead of the United States in space technologically. So this is a bit of a conundrum and the national defense budget fight on Capitol Hill isn't helping. So, who better to talk about this with than U.S. Space Force Colonel Rich Nisley? He leads the Commercial Space Office, which is a U.S. Space Force entity under Space Systems Command. We're going to start off the conversation with a basic understanding of what the Commercial Space Office does before a very thoughtful discussion on how chilly investor sentiment is affecting the development of technologies the Department of Defense may not yet know it wants and what the Commercial Space Office can do to assist space entrepreneurs find non-government capital investment. You might hear the acronym SSC occasionally. That's Space Systems Command. Sibbers and sitters refer to contracting vehicles intended to assist in funding the development for new technologies the government wants. Here's our conversation. Hi, Rich. It's great to see you again, and thank you for making the time to come back on the podcast.
0: No problem, Laura. It's great seeing you. Uh, It's been a a fun time since we last spoke in uh, April, but I'm glad to be uh, doing your program again.
1: Before we jump into emerging technologies and the investment environment, please take a moment to introduce yourself, like what you do, where you do it, how long you've been doing it.
0: So uh, um, my name, uh, again, is uh, Colonel Rich Nisley. I'm uh, here at uh, the Space Systems Command at Los Angeles uh, Air Force Base. And uh, my position, I am the Senior Material Leader for the Commercial Space Office Uh, Just to uh, bring everybody uh, back up to speed again, Uh, this past April, uh, Lieutenant General Mike Gutlein, our our, uh, Space Systems Command Commander, at uh, the uh, Space uh, Symposium, uh, made the announcement that he was rebranding the uh, Commercial Services Office as the Commercial Space Office. And what he did with that was he brought together all of the uh, SSC enablers, if you will, for uh, commercial uh, integration. So uh, under my watch is the uh, commercial SATCOM office, uh, which is headquartered out at uh, Fort Meade, uh, Maryland, uh, which is our one-stop shop for all commercial uh, satellite communication needs uh, across all of the services and the uh, combatant commands. So uh, they are doing amazing work uh, right now for our uh, warfighter. Uh, next is the uh, SSC front door, which is really the uh, one place to go to for all uh, industry to understand how to do business with the government, but specifically how to do business with uh, space systems Command. So uh, we actually just stood up a, a brand new website in the April time frame powered by uh, Salesforce. And what that's allowing us to do is to be more responsive to industry uh, and allowing us to capture what the company is bringing to the table, the maturity of the company, and to best understand how we can integrate that particular uh, technology into all of our uh, different mission areas across the command. And that's also allowing us to make those connections for industries so that they don't get lost in the maze of uh, doing business with government. Definitely a customer service element to the front door. And since we stood up that website, uh, no dropped calls, quicker response times, and uh, we are really getting after what industry wanted to with uh, that front door. So uh, really exciting things going on there uh our partnership with uh Affworks uh specifically called Spaceworks so that is a branch off of uh Affworks and uh they their main mission is to do technology maturity for uh for smaller startup companies uh we are able to fund some of the uh, development through our cyber sitter uh, area and apply uh dollars to do maturity and then uh, help uh, companies bridge the uh, what we call the Valley of Death, if you will, uh, so that we're helping it get beyond a prototype and into a uh, program of record. And so there's a number of different uh, programs through Spaceworks that we do to help out some of these uh, smaller companies. And I'm sure we'll get into a little bit of that uh, in the uh, subject matter for this uh, episode of your podcast. Uh, also, what we're doing is running what we call the commercial augmentation space reserve out of uh, my shop. And the biggest mission for that is is that we know in peacetime we need to do more commercial integration to uh, integrate that more into the uh, space enterprise. And so what we have done is stood up a framework uh, that was recently just uh, approved and briefed to Secretary uh, Kendall in the uh, early September timeframe. But what we are planning on doing is integrating uh, more commercial in peacetime. Uh, We need to get after that now so that our operators understand what the technology is, uh, that we can integrate it into our overall enterprise, that we can war game it, that we can exercise it and learn how to operate it, and then ensure that that technology is scalable across the spectrum of conflict, and we'll do that mainly through the uh, contract that we're setting up. Uh, we'll have uh, pre-priced pricing tables uh, so that it's a uh, voluntary partnership with industry and the government, and so that we can scale that across the spectrum of conflict. And if necessary, prioritize those capabilities for U.S. government use and also have the ability through the contract to kick off any particular customers, if you will, that may be pacing challenges for uh, the uh, U.S. government. So um, a lot of cool things are going on in my shop. We've just been stood up since April and we've been hitting the ground running uh, a lot of excitement on the uh, congressional side. Uh, I've been meeting with uh, a lot of the uh, professional staff members, uh, members of Congress, and also the, uh, national space council has been a great advocate for what we've been doing as well as, uh, OMB. And then really, uh, lastly, just strengthening the partnerships that we already have with the national reconnaissance office as well as, uh, NGA. So, uh, you know, success is really all about speed and integration and uh, working together across the community with uh, the uh, warfighter and our allies' uh, interests in mind.
1: And before we move on from all the different divisions that fall under the Commercial Space Office, is the space domain awareness marketplace also part of it?
0: It is, actually. So thank you for uh, mentioning that Uh, Next year, we will bring over the program management of the Space Domain uh, Awareness Marketplace. And in fact, uh, that is going to be expanded to now be called the Global Marketplace, because what we are going to be doing is bringing in other mission areas to be part of uh, the marketplace as well. So instead of just focusing on Space Domain Awareness, uh, we have already uh, started efforts to bring over uh, platforms and analytics Uh, that deal with uh, surveillance, reconnaissance, and tracking as well. So we're already doing expansions there. And through the uh, Joint Commercial Ops Center, we're proving out those commercial capabilities. And then with the goal, with a lot of them, that now that we've proven out the capabilities, the uh, contractor can now be uh, eligible for contracts through the uh, commercial marketplace or the uh, global marketplace.
1: And all of this, all these different divisions that you that you've just listed and explained, I mean, all of them are accessible through the front door or do they have or do people have to go to like, you know, specifically if they want to connect with Spaceworks, do they have to go to Spaceworks or if they want to connect with this marketplace, they have to go find the website for the marketplace just so people can feel like they can go and reach out and touch you guys. My,
0: my, my advice to everybody is to always start with the uh, SSE front door. It's, uh, it's, it's a great tool. In fact, I invite everybody to go to the brand new website. It is, uh, we, we definitely uh, uh, got a Ferrari out of this one, and it's a great, uh, very user-friendly uh, website. Uh, you can type in your queries, and we can help get you from A to B at a at a very quick pace. Now, that being said, if you if uh, if any of your listeners have the uh, POCs with any of the respective areas, SpaceWorks, uh, any of the uh, uh, partnerships and the linkages that you've made within the uh, program executive officer. Uh, directorates keep using those. Uh, Those haven't changed, but if you are brand new, I highly recommend you starting with the front door and allowing them to uh, perform uh, that customer service uh, role for you.
1: Awesome. You know, but with all of these different things that go through your commercial space office, what kind of budget do you have to get all this done?
0: Uh, we're growing that right now. So because we just stood up in uh, April, we do have the Cibber uh, the, uh, sitter budget uh, through uh, SpaceWorks that we're utilizing and really getting after uh, some, uh, some more robust uh, technologies out there. Uh, companies have really leaned forward with uh, some of their investments, and they're beyond uh, drawing on a piece of paper or, you know, in some cases, a napkin. And they have actually gotten, you know, actual hardware built and they're ready to launch. So we need to start focusing and steering that budget more towards uh, mature uh, technologies. Uh, so in uh, vernacular, less phase ones, more phase twos. So we're working at that. Uh, we are integrated very well within our program executive officers. So what we're doing as far as a, uh, as a commercial space office is showing them the technologies that are out there so that we can show them points of number one, where they may be able to pivot away from what they're building in house. So going more towards that buy before build mentality, but at that same time, reallocating their budget so that uh, they can go after say three to four different services for the amount of money that you would be using to by just building a, an exquisite capability in-house that would have a sustainment tail and, uh, and a life and, a, and like a 10-year cost. Whereas there are actual capable, robust services uh, online uh, right now, um, uh, commercial SATCOM being one of them, commercial uh, space domain awareness, uh, industry is just going crazy right now uh, with weather capabilities. Uh, you have companies looking at alternate uh, position navigation and timing, so a different um, uh, capability other than our global position uh, system that you know been has been our bread and butter for years. So uh, we need to tap more into industry and stop thinking that, We need to own everything in house. And um, in order for us to get after a a pacing challenge or a potential, you know, a potential fight tonight scenario, we need to be more open to going after what is available already and, you know, kind of tying it right back to, you know, the commercial augmentation space reserve. Having the ability to scale that up very fast is going to be a huge benefit to the uh, warfighter instead of waiting for another satellite to come online. So to have those agreements ahead of time and exercised, and we know how it's all going to run, and uh, we've got a lot of uh, initiatives. I'm already excited about 2024, already thinking about all of the cool things that I've already got lined up for the office. Uh, These are all things that we're going to be uh, getting after, and it kind of goes after uh, General Gutlein's uh, or even the SSC mantra of uh, exploit what you have, buy what you can, and build only what you must.
1: Now, if I've read my reports correctly, the Commercial Space Office is particularly interested in procuring capabilities such as space situational awareness or SSA, on orbit servicing, like refueling and maintenance services which would support the Space Force's maneuver warfare capabilities because you can't maneuver unless you have fuel in the tank to burn, right? So maneuver without regret. And also to a lesser extent, but also of interest are orbital debris mitigation services, such as cleaning up space junk. And do I have that right?
0: Um, we are working with our partners in uh, NASA for orbital debris. They They own that mission area, but, you know, the great thing about where we've been uh, standing up the field command and also, you know, even standing up the Space Force as a service writ large is ensuring that our partnerships are strong across the entire uh, space enterprise. So for orbital debris, while that may be mostly a NASA mission, uh, we are definitely uh, looking at that. In fact, uh, you know, some of the first uh, contracts led out by uh, SpaceWorks were... For orbital prime, and you know, looking at orbital uh, debris uh, mitigation, and you know, not just hoarding that uh, technology in house, but being able to share that across the uh, enterprise. Uh, I definitely see uh, what you uh, referenced as uh, ISAM—you uh, know, uh, uh, manufacturing and uh, logistics in space—as uh, that's going to be a game changer because what that is going to allow us to do is not have to you know uh it'll be longer satellite life because we'll be able to refuel but what that also provides us is more missions that that satellite can do so instead of o- only making you know a certain number of passes now all you have to do is you can make those passes refuel and now you're 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 getting more utility out of those uh capabilities so there's a lot going on there. Um, I think our, uh, assured access to space group has been uh, building out that roadmap and kind of how that phasing will go. And I think where their head is, they're going to start with the refueling capability and then start going down what I call like the uh, repairs in space and, uh, and also maneuvering. There's a lot of great companies out there that have, uh, that are developing maneuvering capabilities. I actually just uh, reviewed uh, some of them for some of our uh, SpaceWorks um, contracts that are coming up. So a lot of really cool, innovative ideas. And, you know, that's just a pleasure. A part of my job is that I get to interact with all of these companies and they're thinking about things that, you know, me as a career acquisition person, I haven't thought of. And, you know, uh, they're definitely... Grabbing a lot of great expertise that used to be part of SpaceX, or uh, or uh, you know, even uh, some of the folks that have come from Raytheon or Lockheed or Boeing. I mean, they're they're these smaller companies are grabbing those expertise and uh, really building out uh, new inventive capabilities with their with those teams.
1: So just, you know, in the vein of the whole exploit, buy and build if you must, in a way, the must is my my little end part on that. You know, my understanding is that there's a real reliance on private investment to fund startups in those emerging space technologies that the Space Force is particularly interested in procuring. And, and, and I'm right about that too, I hope?
0: Yes. Uh, so, you know... Um... As we, as a company matures and uh, develops their capability, uh, it, it is important for them to receive that private investment to start building out some of those capabilities. And then we, the government, have the ability to, you know, kind of help those along with some of our own investments, whether those be uh, some of the phase two contracts through uh, SpaceWorks, through some of our R and D uh, areas, uh, or um, Agencies like the Defense Innovation Unit, uh, DARPA being another one that have those R&D budgets that can utilize those dollars to help kind of prove out capabilities and then model them, deploy them, integrate them, whatever it is, kind of do that demo work. And then where where I would like Space Systems Command to uh, come online is to now help transition those into a program of records so that now, say uh, you have a capability, we can now get ahead of the game, palm the right amount of money, and then now we're building out a full service instead of a government buying out the whole development and then the, the, the production and then the sustainment. That's not really where my head is at when, uh, when I'm starting to think about
1: the best way to get that
0: innovation out there.
1: So knowing that private capital or non-government capital, just to give it in, you know, put it into a nice big bucket there, you know, I'm sure you haven't read every financial report out there, but you can't have missed the fact that fewer venture capitalists and even fewer private capital fund managers are, well, interested in funding startups or new emerging space technologies these days. I mean, there's, there's been a real pullback you know, Space Capital, which is a seed stage venture capital firm, they wrote in their third quarter report that year to date, 2023 investment from the private and public markets is down by 32% versus 2022. And that's almost a third less than last year. So now that I front loaded all that with context, you know, how does this bearish investment environment affect your office because i mean you are tracking this right
0: uh yeah so uh, i would definitely say back to what you were saying i think early stage companies are able to find venture funds still but kind of like where you uh, where you were going uh, growth stage companies are facing a very challenging environment um, obviously, one of those uh, uh, one of those that is not facing uh, that problem right now is SpaceX. Uh, you know, uh, they've actually uh, said uh, recently that uh, Starlink now is uh, cash positive, so they're they're starting to uh, take some of those uh, and they're running with it. Uh, I would still say that investment is still strong across space. It is still uh, substantially better than it was in uh, 2020. Obviously, 2021 was the big growth year where, you know, everything spiked and everything, and it's kind of teetered off from there. But, you know, that that's that's really where now that the Space Force is starting to do a tilt, I think that, that, that there are still opportunities for investment out there. Uh, what I do ask companies to do is, you know, start thinking about, you know, making sure that your capabilities are commercially sound. I think investment groups, from what we hear, uh, really start looking at those uh, capabilities that have more of a commercial appeal, not just to the uh, Department of Defense, because you know how our funding and our PPB or uh, program um, uh, budgeting uh, structure is, it's not built the way I would want it to be built. In fact, I would hope that we can make some changes uh, going forward so that we could you know start funding it more towards a capability area and not just systems because if you form it as a overall capability that's going to have us uh, give us a lot more flexibility within those areas to start maneuvering towards commercial towards innovation where we could be a little bit more uh uh reactive to uh lake breaking technologies so i think that's going to be uh, helpful uh, going forward but now that we have stood up the uh, commercial space office, we're able to utilize the tools that we have uh, at our uh, fingertips a lot better to help out with uh, some of these companies and to make those investments. But overall, it, it is still it's it's still a strong it's strong it's still a very strong uh, investment market. Uh, for those early companies, I think the problems that we're having right now are those growth companies that are at the prototype and they're trying to build to scale right now, and I think that's where we're we're running into a little bit of a roadblock.
1: And how does that though then affect your your office in terms of you know? <laughs> fulfilling a requirement or, you know, getting things done. Because if if some of these companies and whether they be seed, seed is actually hurting a bit, just truth be told. But growth companies as well, you know, if, if they're not getting private funding and aren't able to to grow their idea or grow their prototype, you know, how does it get how does that affect you guys and what you need to do and what you need to give to Space Command or to the U.S. Space Force in general in terms of requirements?
0: Um, so it's a couple of things right now. I think where you're going to see is there's going to be a lot more, um, I'd I'd say that we expect to see probably more, um, there's going to be some companies going bankrupt and there's going to be a lot more consolidation going on. Uh, there, there's some pluses and minuses there, you know, obviously from a funding perspective, we can start focusing a lot more on, uh, you know, some of these, um, more, more, uh, companies that are a little bit further along. Uh, it, it, it definitely, um, it, it, it makes me pause a little bit because what I don't want to happen with commercial is, you know, another example of, you know, big primes. And now uh, we, the government are going to, you know, you lose out on some of the innovation. Uh, you kind of lose out on some of the uh, best practices and the behavior that come along with commercial and these innovative companies. So that's something that uh, that uh, makes me pause. But what I can say is we are definitely leaning forward on putting forth some uh, some very good palm submittals for commercial. Uh, we uh, one thing that we do through the front door through SpaceWorks, uh, we're we're definitely being a lot more vocal as to what our requirements are, so that companies don't you know just start going down a path and it's not aligned to where we're at with uh, the uh, Department of Defense. So. Uh, we've been having a number of different industry days. In 22, we had 17. Uh, in 23, we just wrapped up with number 10. So, you know, we're still having a lot of those uh, open dialogues. And many of those industry days are what we call reverse industry days where we, you know, for industry before it kicks off, we pose a problem or a vignette or a list of questions that we want them to come back with answers to, because these are honest questions that we just don't have answers to. And we want to make sure number one, that we're tapping into the innovation, but number two, that we don't go too far off the beaten path of, you know, a commercial, uh, um, market, if you will. I mean, the last thing we would want is that, okay, uh, uh, we are not in line with the commercial market and now we're going after another exquisite program of record. What we, the government want to be is a, you know, in many areas is to be a customer of customers. I mean, we would rather be buying into a service or a capability along with many others so that we can just, uh, you know, uh, take advantage of changes and not uh, not really drive the train as much as we want to. But what these industry days allow us to do is to get those requirements out there so that, you know, we can make sure that we're being uh, heard uh, as well. Uh, now that we have Spaceworks aligned with the Commercial Space Office, we're aligning Spaceworks challenges after these industry days. So, uh, one of the first ones, and uh, this uh, uh, this industry day happened after you and I met the first time, Laura, where we had a uh, alternate PNT industry day right after our uh, our collaboration center opening, and uh, the solicitation for that SpaceWorks challenge just came out. In fact, uh, last week or the week prior, we had our workshop. And pretty soon, I think in the February, March timeframe, uh, we're going to be uh, putting uh, uh, solicitations out there and getting companies on contracts. So we're actually going to be funding companies to keep the dialogue going with these mission areas. So through SpaceWorks, through DIU, through DARPA, we're able to do a lot more uh uh, what I would say R and D and technology maturity and where the commercial space office is coming in is trying to work with the PEOs to palm for what we'll call more traditional or I'm sorry, uh, like per, uh program of records so that we're buying more of a service. So we're getting past that valley of death and starting to integrate these capabilities more.
1: Now on the street there, there is some worry though, that, uh, this sort of chilly environment, investment environment could, you know, last not just months, but perhaps even years, which has the possibility of creating some funding gaps I'm wondering you know if you guys are considering it all like a space version of incutel or a space version of the Army Venture capital Corporation, you know something that's specifically designed for space, understanding that the timelines to achieve a profit or to reach an exit are are just longer. I mean is anyone you know considering that
0: so so uh so we are actually working with inqtel right now. Uh, through the office that actually owns the contract. Uh, we're in the uh, hopefully the soon to be final stages of setting up the uh, the uh, memorandum agreement or partnership agreement with Incutel, and uh, I'm really excited about that because they do some very uh, innovative uh, uh, work plans with some of these uh, small companies, and that's going to help us. Uh, learn, number one, about some game-changing technologies that you may not even hear about unless you're, uh, you know, completely linked up with venture capital.
1: Oh, uh, go on. Give us, a, give us a little taste of what you're talking about.
0: So, you know, one thing that uh, we found through the SSE front door is uh, the uh, company Illyria. And so Illyria is a uh, Google spinoff. And uh, they have a very mature capability out there right now that does uh, satellite orchestration. So uh, if you link up with uh, Elyria, uh, if a path gets, uh, gets uh, degraded, if you will, whether it be through weather or uh, any other means, uh, it would automatically reroute to the next right path. So... This is exactly what we need, uh, you know, if, in a fight scenario because COM is, you know, it's it's needed everywhere. I can tell you uh, the amount. Well, actually, we uh, well, we execute over $850 million a year through the commercial SATCOM office across all services and uh, combatant commands just for communications. So having a capability like Elyria is going to be great. But also where uh, IncuTel helps us out is is uh, you know vetting uh, companies, and making sure that we're investing in companies that don't have nefarious capital, which uh, gets us into a whole uh, quagmire of problems as well. So I'm excited about uh, linking up with uh, IncuTel, uh, and uh, hopefully we'll get that uh, squared away uh, early next year, and off we go. Uh, I'm working across the community to uh, set up a uh, partnership with uh, the uh, Space ISAC, because uh, one thing that I want to do is to ensure that we're having the right amount of threat sharing uh, between the government and also uh, industry. That's going to allow industry to know, number one, what's going on in the uh, area of responsibility, which is going to help uh, drive their, uh, their investment strategy while also ensuring that they know how to protect themselves as well, especially through a cyber attack scenario. So uh, I look at threat sharing as a major foundational piece uh, for CASR going forward because we need to stop looking at this as you know commercial industry, uh, but better as a collective whole because as you know, there's no dividing lines up in space. Uh, It is government, academia, industry, different countries, all operating in the same ecosphere, if you will. So, you know, we need to look at it as that is that we are all together in this domain and we need to have more communication and collaboration together.
1: Just to sort of circle back, though, onto uh, Nefarious Capital, and this is very specifically for the audience to understand, Nefarious Capital is, let's say, uh, China or Russia or somebody else using a shell company that then uses probably another shell company to invest in a young space company with some sort of emerging technology. And when they do that investment, they then own a, a, a piece of that technology and wherever it goes and if it goes into a US military system well that could cause some issues especially if they well own a piece of that you know intellectual property but it also reveals kind of a shortcoming in the you know capitalization of some of these emerging companies because a lot of times you know these very very bright very intelligent very forward thinking you know engineers scientists are really good at what they're developing, but they don't always know how well to actually find capital that isn't tainted. Right. That might be a good way of putting it. So I guess, you know, for my final question would be, well, how should an emerging company that's, you know, chasing space force dollars, I mean, how are they going to, to be able to, to find this capital? You know, it's a, it's a bit in, in short supply. I, is there a, a worry about you know how to fill the gap? Uh, you know, are there discussions because you know it would be a real shame to to lose some of these emerging technologies to you know folks who are just simply looking for money to keep the lights on and continue developing.
0: So, I mean, there's there there there's a lot. I mean, obviously, number one, I mean, you know, do your homework. I mean, uh, start doing some of the. Uh, the searches, there are some very reputable, uh, companies out there and they're not hard to find, uh, when you're starting to look at your, uh, investments and, uh, you know, obviously look towards, uh, look towards the American companies first, uh, you know, uh, but first and foremost, do your, uh, do your, uh, due diligence and, uh, a lot of the uh, nefarious, uh, capital members that you were, uh, mentioning, you know, uh, those names are definitely out there. And then, you know, even what we look at through the SSC front door and our partnership with say the, uh, uh the office of, uh, commercial, uh, economic analysis, we are looking at, uh, those companies and we have databases out there. So we kind of know, you know, what we're looking at before we start getting into business. But, you know, even what we've been working out through the front door is we've been in, Im- We've been introducing some of these companies to venture capitalists and, you know, we are actually bridging the gap there and uh, and uh, making those uh, those introductions. And that's that's something that we we've been wanting to do because it's uh, it's a win win. We find the uh, capital for them. uh, But, you know, the win on our end is they have the opportunity to mature that technology and whether they become. A bigger company, which uh, some of these folks want to do, or they are just ready to sell their technology. Either way, we're able to uh, uh, take advantage of that. So we, I've got a I've got an amazing team that have uh, those uh, connections, and we've been helping companies out repeatedly. One thing I like, I look forward to in my job is to meet these companies and find out how we can help and it's uh it's uh it's 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 pretty rewarding so far and we've been getting some uh some really good reviews that you know they're they're happy that we've been so responsive they've uh they've uh, found those uh connections and they've uh, built they've been um maturing those, that technology
1: rich thank you so much for your time
0: no problem laura anytime you need to talk uh reach out to our uh, pa folks so i'm excited to get back online with you
1: awesome. That's it for this week. If you like what you're hearing, follow the downlink on Twitter and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. For the latest defense news and analysis, listen to the Daily Defense and Aerospace Report podcast hosted by Vago Meradian, and listen to Cavish Ships to hear the latest on what's happening in the maritime domain. I'm Laura Winter, and thank you for listening.